Judas left Jesus and his fellow disciples, the church. And according to John's gospel, when did Judas, what part of the day did Judas walk out on Jesus? Anybody remember? Night. It was night. Judas chose darkness to be his light. Tell me, how could one who saw Jesus raise three dead people back to life, leave the Lord and his fellow disciples? How could one who saw Jesus feed thousands of people with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish leave the Lord and his fellow disciples? How could one who witnessed Jesus give sight to a man born blind, something that has never happened before, let alone all the other miracle, miraculous healings Jesus did, how could someone who witnessed that leave the Lord and his fellow disciples? Remember that Judas was among those that Jesus sent out empowering them to cure the sick, cast out demons, meaning that Judas personally experience what comes from a relationship with Jesus. So how could Judas have abandoned the Lord and his church? Ultimately, it is the mystery of human free will, a mystery that continues to play out in your life and in mine. I think today, most who leave the Lord and his church do so not deliberately, but simply because life took over. I think many of us have been in that boat. The demands of work, family, the allure of so many wonderful things that could be done, and let's face it, all the toys this world offers us reduces Jesus and his church to something we try to squeeze in on Christmas and Easter, maybe at a baptism, possibly a wedding or a funeral. They're not bad people. They have chosen to place themselves at the mercy of the frenetic pace of this world, forgetting this world never shows mercy. And like lemmings, they just hurl themselves down to their own destruction. Some leave Jesus and his church because they are angry at God. They're angry at life. Neither God nor life are working the way they think they should. Somewhat like Judas, who wanted a warrior Messiah and would settle for nothing less. Some leave because the church will never embrace the world's agenda, the world's values. Because the church will refuse to change moral truths to accommodate human weaknesses, and they get angry and leave. 
Others leave Jesus and his church with all kinds of excuses. But when you listen very carefully to the excuses, they all share a common denominator. The refusal to conform one's life to the truth, insisting on the right to determine the truth for themselves, which really means they make themselves the norm by which all things are to be judged as true or false. And that is a very dangerous position for a human being to put himself or herself into. It can only end in great pain in this life, and if not careful, hell in the next. While in seminary, I became disgusted with the church, and I seriously considered leaving. And I had solid, ironclad excuses rooted in undeniable realities. Political correctness was more important than theological truth. Witch hunts aimed at weeding out the theologically conservative seminarians. Tolerance for grossly immature homosexual men for which the church would later pay a very heavy price. And let us be clear, the sex scandal that has engulfed the church is not about pedophilia. It is the result of bishops knowingly ordaining psychosexually immature homosexual men to the priesthood, who preyed not on children, but in over 80% of the cases, according to the John Jay Criminal Justice Study, teenage boys. A Lutheran professor I studied under and I admired greatly knew what I was going through. And he said, you know that you will never be accepted by the Catholic Church. I've spoken to my bishop. We're ready to ordain you. I could have served the gospel and have had a wife. I could have had children. Let me tell you, it was very tempting. At one point, I had gone to confession, quite confused, and I thoroughly broke down in the confessional. And I will always remember what the priest, Father Carl Peters, told me. This is your cross. You will never find peace until you embrace it. I did not like what he told me. I did not want to hear it. I wanted him to reaffirm my personal truths, validate my feelings, agree with my decision to leave. Good priest that he was, he did not give me what I wanted, but gave me what I needed, spiritual medicine, the truth. And I discovered 
that I have an obligation to conform myself to the truth. Truth has no obligation to conform itself to me. I must conform myself to the truth. And I can never have any peace in this life or in the next if I don't. Judas went off at night. He chose darkness. He abandoned Jesus and the church. Jesus respected his free will, did nothing to stop him, as he respects your free will and mine. And he told his remaining disciples, the church, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. Now what does he mean by that? St. John Chrysostom, preaching back in the late 300s, said, God will glorify the Son through himself and not another, and he will do it on the cross. The eternal Son took our flesh, and in his flesh fully obeyed the will of the Father, offering himself as the supreme sacrifice for all sin, for all people, for all time. The truth of who Jesus is was to be revealed not in power, not in the halls of government, not in the boardrooms of big businesses or banks, but on the cross. It was the suffering of Jesus on the cross that compelled a thief to repent and say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It was the suffering of Jesus on the cross that compelled a Roman centurion, a dreaded enemy of the people, to praise God and say, certainly, this man was innocent. The love of God for man was to be discovered not in the displays of God's power, but in the humility of God's suffering. Jesus said to his church, I give you a new commandment, love one another. We moderns terribly abuse that word. The word that is used in the gospel comes from the word agape, which means sacrificial love. The placing of the needs of the other is more important than our own. That does not come to us by nature. It comes to us through grace. This kind of love given by disciples, especially when they, when we suffer, is Jesus' light radiating in the darkness of the world pointing the world to hope. Everyone in this little church this morning deals with some form of suffering. It may be the suffering of the teenager getting ready to leave home for, the, for his or her first time and step out on their own, and they're scared and they're uncertain about themselves. It may be the suffering from the loss of a job and worries about how to support one's family. It may be the suffering of a young couple that has received devastating news they will not be able to conceive. It may be the suffering that comes with a serious, potentially fatal illness. It may be helplessly watching the steady decline of a spouse or an elderly parent or even ourselves. It may be that a marriage has failed. 
and there's nothing that can be done about it. Suffering comes in as many ways as there are people. And still, the mystery of the cross tells us that we are empowered to love despite the suffering. In fact, that it's precisely in and through the suffering that our love for one another manifests the light of Jesus in this world. Our crosses, and we all have them, have the power, the grace to reveal the glory of God.